0: Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Anthony Garcia about complacency syndrome, how to create high performance work systems, reducing employee turnover, and how to increase productivity and profitability. Anthony Garcia, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, you know, we, we have listeners from all over the world who tune in to hear about a, a variety of topics related to people management, HR, leadership, successfully leading organizations. Um, and and I know you have a particular uh, expertise and background in sales, and, and I'm excited to talk with you about how to create a high-performance uh, sales system and how to to um, better manage uh, and motivate um, company culture in that kind of an environment. Um, so that'll be the focus of our discussion today. Uh, as we get started, I just want to share a quick bio for Anthony, for the listeners. Anthony Garcia is an expert in sales training, recruitment, goal achievement, and motivating salespeople to, to peak performance. As an 18-year veteran of sales, Anthony has achieved top, uh, top accolades in direct sales, business to business sales, and medical sales. In his uh, previous roles, he has trained and developed sales teams for Cutco cutlery and paychecks. As the author of uh, of the international best-selling book, Catapulting Commissions, he provides strategies to get into the mental game of selling. Anthony has delivered numerous keynotes focusing on complacent sales syndrome, goal achievement, and uh, smarter goal setting. His thoughts and opinions have been featured on CNBC, Fox, and CBS. He's created his number one business and built a team of over 100 sales reps at the age of 22 and has gone on to coach and mentor hundreds of top performing sales professionals. Anthony is also the host of Catapulted Commission's podcast, where he discusses the complacency that robs people of their full potential and interviews some of the world's top sales performers and entrepreneurs. Anthony is a sought after speaker, passionate about unlocking the high performer lying dormant in every sales professional. Uh, it is such a true pleasure to have you on the podcast today uh, and uh, anything else you would like to add as we get started?
1: No, I really appreciate the opportunity. My passion in sales and sales leadership has fueled nearly the past two decades of my life's work and the sales leadership has really been one of the areas that I've driven in uh, over the past couple of years and trying to fully understand and share uh, what I think, true sales leadership needs in this day and age. So thanks for giving the opportunity to share that with your audience. Wonderful. And maybe we can start with
0: this idea of complacent sales syndrome. Uh, if you can describe that for the listeners uh, and then kind of feed that into, we can start discussing how to create and maintain a high performing sales system and uh, professionals.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So. A complacent sales syndrome is when a sales professional has all the tools, resources, uh, and skills to be successful, but they do just enough to cover the basic necessities of life. And when a company has a team that develops this level of complacency, you have a group, or let's say your sales team is 100 people or 1,000 people, you have a group of people who are now doing just enough to get by. And so we, we try to create these quotas to uh, incentivize, promote, and motivate people, compensate people. Typically, the quotas we assign from a company standpoint are tied directly into the corporate goal or objective. If you're for a publicly traded company, you know, it goes to projections we're, we're sending to our investors. If you're privately traded, you know, it's a little bit more hush-hush. But at the end of the day, right, the objective is the same. We're trying to hit projections. When you allow a level of complacency to exist within your sales force, you're never going to exceed, you're never going to achieve higher levels. So if the corporate number is to grow 4% or 3% or 5%, you're going to grow 3%, 4% or 5% because you allow this level of complacency to exist within people. And it's, it's, it's one of the challenging things for sales leaders because you technically, you've done what I've asked you to do right? So if I've asked you to grow your your respective geography, if you you live in the state of Montana, I want Montana to grow 5% this fiscal year, and you've done it, well, you've done your job. How do we measure the level of output to go from 5% to 10% to 15%? Is it possible? Is it feasible? And so when we allow sales reps to develop a level of complacency, we're typically robbing our companies of millions of dollars of revenue by simply not having the correct Steps to motivate people above their normal output.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting, and and I see that you know in all sorts of organizations, not just in in, in sales organizations or in sales type roles, um, that you have different types of employees. Some that w- they're just kind of intrinsically self motivated to always push, always stretch, you know, always shoot for that next level um, goal. Uh, and then you have others who are very happy to just kind of do the minimum required. And then once they achieve that minimum, they feel comfortable, they feel safe, and they're ready to just kind of coast, you know, until the next big goal. Uh, it sounds like that's what you're describing with with um, salespeople. And I think it's a common problem. I think it's a common problem across industries, across job types, uh, and organizations need to think creatively about how to motivate people through a variety of means, through intrinsic, through extrinsic factors, through relational factors, in ways that will drive people to maximize their potential, to maximize their performance, and truly achieve what um, what they can, not just what they feel like they have to.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think there's, a, there's you hit the nail on the head there. There's a level of accountability that, for our uh, potential, right, that we have to have a management or a leader extract from your sales team. Someone has to hold people accountable to their potential. You know, I I remember when I played college football many years ago, uh, I had a really great freshman year, and I my Where coach pulled me aside and said, I played at Azusa Pacific University, cool. small uh, NAI Division II football. It was it a was time of my life. I awesome. A a lot of my leadership fundamentals have come from uh, some of the great football coaches that have trained me through the years. But I remember my football coach sharing with me, you have a lot of potential. And he tells me, he's like, as a freshman, and his response was, and if I tell you next year, you have a lot of potential, that's not a compliment. And I thought about that. And I'm like, okay. And so, you know, he kind of expanded on that, that you have to step out, you have to get out of your comfort zone, you have to push yourself to levels that you don't think are possible. And that has always stood with me. And I've used that same line with people that I've managed. And I sit with people, I'm like, look, you've been in the sales company for five years. You're doing phenomenal. You I mean, you're hitting numbers, but honestly, you have a lot of potential to be great. And when people look at me, they're like, well, what are you talking about? I've hit quota. I've done, I've done this. Well, is, and I ask, do you view that as a compliment or as an insult? And it's really, it's a hard conversation to have. But as a sales leader, when you're managing someone who has uh, direct impact on overall revenue, they've accepted that responsibility by accepting employment with your company. So, you know, you should be having that discussion. And so I tell people, your potential should never be the highlight of your career. You shouldn't have, and, and it frustrates sales management. And a lot of people that I work with manage sales professionals or you know, sometimes some of the clients I work with have these small firms where, you know, they manage a team of three or four people, they're entrepreneurs. And they're like, I can't get people to the next level. I just had a conversation yesterday uh, with a surgeon who is couldn't for the life get his staff to completely understand how to sell his aesthetics portion of his business. And the conversation I have is, look, we have people who do just enough to get by, you have to motivate them to a point where they're empowered they believe that they can truly extract more from themselves and not only tell them because anybody can do the rah-rah, hey, you feel good about yourself, but show them the steps necessary to extract and get get better results and give them a reason why and tie that in. So when people develop that level of complacency, it typically sounds like this. I could do that, but, or, uh, yeah, man. You know, and and it's, it's a challenge. You know, I, I manage Some people that I've managed have been with the same company 20, 25 years, right? And they're very successful. I mean, they have established income. They're doing really well. And when I tell them, I'm like, hey, you know, when you sit and tell me, hey, I could do this, but I got to be honest with you. If I was interviewing you and I wasn't the one who hired you, but if I interviewed 20 years ago and you said that, I po- I'm positive you wouldn't be in this role and nor would I have hired you. And so to have those conversations, once you feel that way, um, you know, I tell people, I'm like, that is why people get replaced. Because there's, y- there's a younger, hungrier version that believes they can conquer the world. Now, whether the 24-year-old has the same skill set as the 44-year-old, I don't know yet. But I can tell you the hunger of the 24-year-old right now is 10 times more than you are. And their, their, their uh, wiggle room to catch up to your skill set is very small. And so uh, that's what complacency does. When you have complacent sales syndrome, it's not that people don't know how to do the job. It's not that they don't know how to sell. It's not that the they, heck, they, they even know what motivates them. They just make the decision not to do that. And that requires a difficult conversation. That requires a level of accountability from typically their immediate leader in their life. Yeah, when
0: I think about employee performance and problem areas in performance, you know, one simple way to think about it is a, this kind of four by four matrix where on the one axis you have um, motivation uh, and drive, and on the other axis you have ability, right? And a lot of times when you have new employees come in, um, they're kind of low on the ability scale, but they're high on the drive scale. They're excited, they're pumped up, they're ready to go. Um, and and that's, that's a good place for them to be. And then you can coach them, you can mentor them, you can train them, you can help them develop the skills that hopefully will allow them to shift over to the next quadrant where they're an A player, where they're top producers, right? Um, so I'm not worried about that top part of the, these people that are kind of low skill, highly motivated, because um, we can help them get over to the highly skilled, highly motivated. What I worry about is, and I'm, not, I'm also not really worried about the people who are low skill, low motivated, because those people weed themselves out, right? Because their performance is bad and they, they don't stick around. What I'm really worried about are those people that are high-skilled with low motivation, low drive. Those are the people that probably were A players at one point, but over time they become complacent, they start to cut corners, they start to do the bare minimum, and that has all sorts of detrimental impacts on workplace culture. Um, you know, if, if you have someone who's been there for 20 years and they're doing enough to get by so that they're not a low performer, but they're clearly not fulfilling their potential, that has all sorts of negative implications for all these, the new crop of employees that are trying to learn the ropes, trying to get launched their career, trying to get going and help the company be successful. If I'm a manager, I'm really nervous about those people in that bottom quadrant who are highly skilled with low drive. uh, And they just kind of suck the air out of the company.
1: That, that group of professionals that you just described, that is the group that is masked in, Protection. They're masked in pensions. They're masked in tenured, right? So it's really hard. What do you do with those people? And I have found that having those difficult conversations. And sometimes they're not popular conversations with people. But expressing, hey, here's here's the honest truth, right? You're doing just enough. What where do you what do you want to be here? What do you want to do here? And it is you mentioned culture, which is such a passionate passionate point for me that one bad apple in that area, right, that can sit here and say, hey, I've been here for 20 years, I've been doing this for a long time. That negative impact on your your new breed of employees is going to cause so many challenges that we have to cut that off in the beginning. We have to identify those people that are complacent, and we have to have challenging, difficult conversations consistently. You know, and the counter argument is, well, they're producing the numbers that we need. Yeah, they are but at what expense? Because if they're producing 100% and, and, you know, we would, you know, let's just say we divide, you know, we use Montana again, if they're producing 100% in Montana and Western Montana, but on Eastern Montana, they're negatively impacting the new guy who's producing 40%, how much are they really doing? Right. And so is it, is it a benefit to, okay, Hey, here's what I need from you or, or, you know, we make a transition, either you get on board or you transition out because I'm going to find someone who's going to believe the culture that we set and believe the culture we established. And as a team, we're progressively going to get better. Maybe, you know, there'll be a little dip in the first, you know, first year that we have a new person, but overall, we're going to grow on the correct trajectory.
0: Yeah, so how do we work towards creating that kind of a dynamic culture? You mentioned having those difficult conversations with people when they're underperforming, uh, or not even underperforming, but just but complacent and doing kind of the minimum. Um, how do we approach that to help create a truly dynamic uh, culture?
1: You know, well, I think, you know, one of the things and it's, it's, it's pretty common, right? We always want to empower people, you don't want to give people a a position of leadership or position, a position of, of power. When you work with sales professionals and people who are in that sales world, right? It's a very, um, It's a very uh, me industry, right? I perform, I get paid, right? I don't get paid for the performance of the team, right? If if I generate a million dollars in revenue, that's what I get paid from. So to develop that culture, you have to create a vision and drive people into a team mentality. And that has to be the number one focus of whoever that sales leader is. And as if we were to look at the corporate funnel, right? And, and you, know, you, you, you take the very top of the corporate funnel and you go to these uh, annual meetings, you get on quarterly dividend calls, you hear all of this culture, right? Our culture is phenomenal, our culture is great. The challenge is, is that message doesn't always reach down to that person who's complacent. That person on the bottom, right? Your, your, your frontline warriors, as I like to call them, the people who are actually selling and driving revenue, they hear the message, but they don't see the impl- uh, implementation they don't see the follow through of that culture that's created so create that culture every person if we if we looked at the culture of the corporate ladder every person on the next ring lower has to be more excited and motivated about culture than the person above them and the only way that does that is every conversation on the way down has to say here's what we're building here's the team and here's what your role is and if you can sell, and these and these are these are salespeople. If you can sell the team and the vision, which if it's authentic and genuine, it shouldn't be difficult. Then you have to sell what your impact and what your role is. That is easier to have at at a top part in the corporate ladder because typically everyone has subordinates, someone that reports to them. And and I know that if. I know that if I get on a conference call, or I get on a Zoom call with my direct reports. I'm like, hey, dude, the companies do this. It's, it's a piece of crap. I'm frustrated. Well, now I'm going to have 10, 12, 15 people believing that. However, if I come in that same message and say, hey, look, guys, with all honesty, you know, right now during the COVID pandemic, I understand things are difficult. There's a lot of uncertainty. I'm not going to sit here and sugarcoat it. But what I can tell you with all honesty, we're going to get through this together. We've always done what's right for our customers and our employees. I don't have all the answers today, but I promise you, I'm not going to let you walk off a bridge without me being right by your side. And to, to, to share and, and, and build that camaraderie, it takes that level of vulnerability. So you have that conversation with each person on the ring down. And when you get to the bottom level of these sales professionals, the frontline warriors, you reverse the role. Who are you going to bring with you? I find my most positive person on the team, my most influential person on the team and say, okay, you're doing, you're doing great, Madeline. Things are going well for you. Who are you going to bring with you? What do you mean? Who, who are you going to bring up with you? Because we're only going to grow as a company and hit the metrics and goals that you want as an individual if we all can contribute. So who are you bringing with you? And once you start empowering people and that culture is all you talk about, and you never sacrifice culture. You'll start to see that culture grows. The number one mistake that companies make is they sacrifice culture. And sacrificing culture looks, in the, in the, looks kind of like, hey, we missed, we missed quarterly projections by 2%. You know what? the sales meeting that we were going to have or the, 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 you know, whatever meeting we're going to get together, we're going to cancel that because we don't have the budget for it anymore. Right. So you're starting to tell people, well, if you don't hit the money, you know, I can't afford to have a one day meeting where we get together and I buy you a lunch and we sit down because we didn't hit metrics that day, that style of leadership, that style of ruling is so antiquated to the point now where people, you know, I I look at it as in, and, and I know a lot of your, uh, your audience is leadership. And a lot of my experience is sales leadership. And when I tell people this and said, if that's the philosophy you run, you're the problem. You're a reason that sales professionals only have 18 month tenure average. Now that is the, three years ago. That number was, I'm sorry, 10 years ago, 2010, that number was three years. So you're telling me over the, over the past 10 years, we've went from a three-year average tenure to 18 month average tenure. Right. It's not that the people yeah. are getting bad. It's not that the salespeople are getting bad. It's how we implement, how we manage, and how we lead in culture that's causing those problems.
0: Yeah, and I mean, you're, you're drawing on so many key um, points that ultimately lead to uh, employee, not just motivation, but uh, employee uh, commitment, employee productivity, and ultimately... Uh, retention of your top players, uh, which that that can cause just as many problems with culture, um, you know, as having a bunch of complacent people in in the organization. If you <laughs> over a period of time, if you have these great performers who choose to leave because they're not happy with the conditions, they're not happy with the culture, they're not happy with management and leadership and they go somewhere else, they choose to go somewhere else and you're losing your best people, that sends a clear signal to those other employees who are aspiring to become A players, um, who are trying to, to up their game. It also sends a clear signal to the complacent ones, right? Um, because they know that the company's stuck because all their good people are leaving. So it's, it's kind of this interesting Dynamic where you have all these different pieces swirling around impacting and influencing each other and ultimately what we have to do is we have to be clear about our um, commitment to our people we have to be clear uh, about our commitment to them not just in terms of you know treating them well treating them fairly paying them fairly and, and whatnot, but in terms of, of expecting the best out of them not just for the company's sake so that we can have high profits but for their sake, because I'm not a good leader if I'm not helping my people fulfill their potential. If I'm, as a leader, allowing people to do the bare minimum, then I'm allowing them to shortchange themselves and their their future career prospects. Um, so I'm not just hurting the company, I'm hurting them. And we have to consider all these pieces as we're trying to effectively lead these types of groups and organizations.
1: You know, that is so much profoundness in what you just said right there about you know our our leadership abilities when we get the most out of people right it's really simple people over profits so when you implement and invest in your people profits will always grow however we sacrifice leadership and culture for profits and it continues to happen and that employee retention people see that and I know that I have had in uh, some difficult conversations where I've seen culture not be where it should be and you start losing quality people and and with the continued growth right the continued growth of of you know I've got Silicon Valley South Beach Silicon Valley I, I live in California so I'm, and I'm right in the middle so up to north of me I have Silicon Valley you know 45 minutes down south of me I have the south Silic- Silicon Beach I tell I tell the companies that I work with, and I tell the sales leaders, I'm like, hey, I, gotta, I have to let you know. I understand that you represent Fortune 500 company and you've been around for 90 years. However, right here in in you know in the Silicon Valley or right here on Santa Monica, there is a software company that has just received you know millions of dollars of funding. They have a young, hip, energetic, enthusiastic leader that's going to come, is going to take your top talent, and it's going to pay them a lot of money because of their potential. And they're going to steal these people. It's not necessarily the money. It's what they believe. It's the culture that people are leaving for. And you'll you'll start to lose quality people. And once you lose one, it's easier to lose two. And once you lose two, you'll start to see your development opportunity, the people you, you want to have next in line for leadership roles, start being recruited by other roles and to retain them becomes a little bit more difficult. So yeah, you hit the nail on the head with that.
0: Yeah, um, you know, it's and it's not like I understand it's not easy, um, especially in times of crisis like the, a pandemic that we're currently in. I can only I don't I'm not a salesperson, so I can only imagine how hard that's hitting um, sales jobs um, because of the the inability for people to get out and to connect with people. I mean, you can still do virtual calls, but that's not the same thing. So I, I imagine it's it's tough right now um, in the sales industry. Um when you're in crisis, that really puts your values to the test, right? Um, how, how, as an organizational leader, are you gonna respond when things are really tough? Are you gonna to continue to, to live out your values as an organization and maintain the same type of culture that you've always had or tried to have? Uh, and what we do now will have implications for, for our ability to, re- to attract and retain top talent once we come out of this crisis. So it's, you know, I know it's not simple. I know it's not easy. I know people are struggling to even keep afloat, Um, but we can't allow ourselves fall into the trap of just setting aside our our focus on people, our focus on helping them fulfill their potential. Because if we do, it'll be to our detriment in the long term.
1: The, The pandemic right now is forcing salespeople and sales professionals to really take a look and evaluate the current situation they're in. They're looking at the company or product line they work for, and they're looking at their leadership with the most intense lens, seeing how are you going to respond to this? Because yes, I am a sales professional. Yes, my job is to drive revenue. Yes, I understand I directly impact the profit and loss statement completely. At the end of the day though, I'm a human. At the end of the day, I'm a parent. At the end of the day, I am an individual. I have responsibilities. And the message that I've been sharing with the team that I currently lead and and those that that work close with me is vulnerability right now is your best friend. There is no reason to not be overly transparent with your sales organization. When you leave room for interpretation, right? If there is, is any doubt that anybody in the sales force, thinks that they are not being told the 100% accurate truth, you will find that those rumors, that insecurity, that unknown, is going to be why people will start to leave. There's no, there, is no, uh, there is no room anymore for this day and age for uncertainty. So I tell people, share your vulnerabilities with the people who are following you. Tell them. And I use the same analogy I mentioned earlier. I use with people who I directly lead. I say, look, guys, I don't have the answer today, and I'm not going to pretend I have an answer tomorrow. I don't know. There's a level of uncertainty, but what I can tell you is this. The moment I find out an answer, I'm going to share, and I'm not going to let you get hit by, uh, I'm not going to let you fall off a bridge without me being there next to you saying, hey, we're about to fall off a bridge together. There's going to be no secrets. I'm not going to give you like a, hey, things are going great on the left, and boom, you're blindsided by the right. I'm going to tell you, hey, we're here on the left. You see this big monster truck coming from the right? I know it looks really far away, but it's going to hit us. But I'm going to be here with you. We're going to go through this together. And I, I share that with the team that I lead, people who, who have been in a position of leadership for me. I always tell them, like, hey, man, I can handle being told I'm going to fall off a bridge. Just don't let me fall off the bridge without giving me a heads up. I, I, I can handle the adversity. I can handle the unknown. I just don't like the uncertainty, and I don't like the lack of transparency. So I guess not the uncertainty of the situation. I don't like the uncertainty in my leader. Are you going to be overly transparent with me?
0: Yeah, I think if we're going to err, we err on the side of transparency and over communication um, because that shows goodwill towards our employees. They, they can see that we're making our best effort. I don't think employees expect us to get this all right or be perfect. They know we're going to um, stumble. They know particularly in a really difficult crisis like a pandemic that has sweeping implications for economies, not just businesses. Um, you know, no, nobody expects you to get it all completely right. But they do want to know that you trust them enough to, to be straight, to sh- shoot straight with them and communicate with them on a regular basis.
1: Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree with that more. And that ability to impact and influence as a leader is a skill that we're going to need for the rest of our lives. It is a skill that is never going to go away. And I know with the, the population and, and maturity of technology and Zoom and, and social media selling and digital selling, that is great. You still need somebody to influence, impact, and motivate the people behind the screens. And that is always going to be a person that has to have uh, that understanding that uh, transparency is going to be key. Empathy is going to be key. Honesty and integrity. These are some of the fundamental principles of leadership. Wonderful.
0: Well, Anthony, it has been a a real pleasure talking with you this past half hour. Uh, Unfortunately, we're running short on time. Uh, Before we close, I want to give you a chance to let the listeners know how they can get in contact with you to learn more about you, your business, uh, so they can reach out to you if, if they need your assistance.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Very simple. You can track me on my website. It's Anthony P. Garcia. Dot com. I'm under social media, under Anthony P. Garcia, uh, the number 99, uh, catapultingcommissions.com. Uh, those are the two websites that will track you down directly to uh, my brand, myself, all about the uh, services and skills I offer. And that's that's great. Uh, Jonathan, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to share that.
0: Well, Anthony, it's been a true pleasure. Um, thank you so much for joining us, sharing your expertise with us. And uh, I hope you stay healthy and safe. Have a wonderful week. And I hope we can talk again soon.
1: Thanks, Jonathan. Stay safe, buddy. Thanks.
0: Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that
1: you have a great week.